You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back, because you don't have a cat, and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week, we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, our ghost host. Welcome to this episode of Paranormal Pets Radio. I'm your host, Brandy Stark. Uh, we are speaking today with Tim Link, who is an author, writer, speaker, president, and CEO of Wagging Tails, and is a full-time animal communicator. Uh, this is going to be an interesting episode because we're going to be dealing again with uh, pet perception of the afterlife, uh, pets in the afterlife, uh, and communicating uh, between uh, this world and the next. So let's get started right after this brief break. And uh, we'll bring Tim right on in. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. 
only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. And welcome back. Uh, today we are dealing with Tim Link, who is a, uh, an animal communicator. Uh, he's got a really fascinating story. Uh, he is very, very, very passionate about animals and helping animals. And he has also mastered uh, Reiki, which is uh, the ancient uh, energy healing art, uh, which he actually does use on animals. Um, his history is, is interesting because in February 2004, he learned that he could communicate telepathically with animals. Uh, so apparently up until that time, Tim, you had no idea? I really didn't have any idea at all. You know, it, it's one of those things where I've always had a love and a passion for animals, but, you know, I wasn't the guy that, as a child, talking cats down from trees or, you know, rescuing strays off the street. Um, I really didn't have that connection. My background basically was you know, sort of like the all-American guy. Um, came from a very small family, very poor family, worked my way very uh, diligently, Paid my, got to college, paid my way through college, got a job in telecommunications, and then spent 20 years uh, being a telecom uh, sales guy, uh, executive. Um, and before I left the telecom industry, I was vice president director of a major telecom corporation, traveling the world, presenting telecom software IP packages that go in these wonderful little cell phones that we all use, and trying to convince people to spend $20, 30000000 million a pop with me. And lo and behold, one day, the um, this gift presented itself, and it uh, didn't know it at the time, but it definitely changed changed my life and uh, hopefully those around me. I can only imagine. That's, that's quite a, a shift, let me tell you. Um, wow. Well, um, since today's episode is, is focusing on um, communication with uh, deceased pets, um, I'm just kind of curious, what are the reasons for people wanting to contact deceased animals? Well, I think it is, um, you know, it's human nature for us to try to gain as much closure as we, we can with not only our pets but with everything around us. So oftentimes, you know, when a pet um, goes through an illness or has a sudden death, a tragic death, we have a lot of questions. And, you know, those questions are, you know, did I do too much? Did I not do enough? Did I wait too long? Did I do it too soon? Um, should I have let them pass on, on, you know, transition on their own, or should I have, you know, helped them out? So we have all these questions, and we, we deal with this ego thing called guilt, where we, you know, feel guilty about not doing everything we possibly could, when in most cases we've done everything we possibly could and more. So we as humans, you know, have, have that challenge of trying to better understand uh, what we did, feel confident that we did everything we could, and then afterwards, what happens? You know, what is that that happens? Um, where animals, you know, they tend to deal with it a lot. It's a lot more black and white. It's very clear to them. You know, they understand their purpose, and they understand when they transition, and they know when it's the right and perfect time to leave, whether they leave on their own or whether we help them transition. They know when that time is, and, and if we're cognizant enough, uh, they'll let us know when that time is. 
Mm-hmm. And I think um, you're quite correct uh, with animals. They they are very communicative when it is time to go. Uh, I I actually do a lot of rescue work with uh, pugs actually, and uh, both my mother and I uh, deal with primarily pugs that are usually either handicapped or older. And, uh, and of course, I also have rats, and I've done rat rescue. And, and uh, the only problem with rats, I love them dearly, is that they just don't live long enough, you know, two to four years. Uh, the best I've done is about four. But um, I've noticed with these pets that they eventually do tell you when it's time to go, and, and they're pretty empathetic about it, and I think a little more accepting, perhaps, than we are. You know, that's absolutely true, you know, and people ask me that all the time. You know, they have a sick sick animal, and they say, well, you know, I don't know whether to help them out or let it go. You know, are they in pain? Are they suffering? And I I tell them, you know, they'll let you know when it's time. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, what do you mean? How do they know? You know, how will they let me know? It's not like they can stand up and talk to me. I'm like, well... if you're in my shoes, they could, but... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but in your shoes, that's right. But in your shoes, perhaps not. But, you know, the key things are, you know, they will give you little, little signs. You'll get gut feelings. You'll get some imagery. Um, you, you will know. There's, they'll, in their own subtle way, they'll let you know when it's time. And you just have to trust that and, uh, you know, honor them when that time comes. Absolutely. I usually tell people that I can tell because of the look in their eyes. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's just that way. Uh, now, is, I'm curious, is it, is it always animals trying to, or excuse me, humans always trying to contact animals, or, or is it kind of a two-way street? Are there times in which you get messages from animals on the other side trying to contact their humans? Yes, absolutely. You know, when an animal, uh, way I try to describe it is, you know, when an animal goes through their transition process, you know, their, their energy leaves their body or their soul or however you want to label it, so I call it energy. So their energy leaves their body and it goes up into source energy, or you can call it God energy, universal energy, once again, however you want to label that. And it starts to go up into what I call source energy. Now, during that transition process, while their energy is regenerating to its full capabilities, to, to its full, uh, um, you know, to make it full and, and whole again, uh, they will come back and check in with us. So early on, they will check in frequently. Uh, they want to make sure that they're leaving everything okay, that we're doing okay with the, the uh, fact that they've transitioned, that everything in the household is doing, doing well. And more importantly, if there are other pets in the household, they come back and um, check in with those pets. They teach those pets. They leave their imprints behind. So often when you have an animal that's passed on or is in that, you know, has transitioned on, um, the existing animals will all of a sudden start taking on the characteristics and the little habits, both good and bad, that the animal that has passed on has left behind. So it's not uncommon for if you have, say, two dogs in the house, uh, one dog passes on, and the dog that passed on was, say, the more alpha. Maybe they like to sleep in a certain place. Maybe they like to eat in a certain way. Maybe they went out and ran around in the yard uh, compared to the, the dog that the other dog in the household, may, which may be more laid back and doesn't have any preferences. Then all of a sudden when the transition happens, that dog that's been left behind will all of a sudden start laying in the places that the other dog used to lay, run around in the fashion in the backyard like the other dog used to, eat in the same location or the same uh, fashion that the other dog did. And so you'll see those type of things. Um, you know, I've got a great, great analogy of that. Um, we had in our lives uh, two Pomeranians at one point, and one we raised from a puppy, and the other one we rescued at 10 years of age. Now, 
the one that we raised from a puppy was never afraid of storms, where the other one, when we rescued her, we actually found her, someone dumped her off during the storm. Mm. Now, so we had one that was rescued, terribly afraid of storms. The other one couldn't care less about a storm. And, and so for the five years that they lived together, that continued on. One was afraid, one was not. Well, the, one day the uh, one that was afraid passed on, transitioned on, leaving the other one that we raised from a puppy behind. All of a sudden, within a matter of days, the one that was left behind, who was never afraid of storms, all of a sudden became terrified of storms. So for the remainder of her life, she was paranoid of storms. And that, was, that obviously wasn't a good teaching. There's a lot other better teachings that, that the dog that transitioned could have left behind, but that's one of the things that, that, uh, that she left behind. So they, they do imprint on one another then to a certain degree. Yeah, they definitely do. So they'll come back, the ones that have transitioned, they'll come back to make sure that they're leaving their teachings, their imprints behind, and it's very common that you'll see the other animals pick up those characteristics. And one thing to keep an eye out for when this happens is it, it doesn't matter if it's you know a dog that's transitioned and now all of a sudden you just have cats in the house. The cats can take on the imprints of, of the dog. So you, know, you have to look at it really as just energy. So when the energy's left, the energy can come back, leave those imprints behind, and whatever energy's remaining will pick up that, uh, those teachings, those imprints, and carry on with them. Now, that is interesting. Um, I actually, uh, on a personal note, I, as I said, I do pug rescue, but I do have four pugs that I've raised uh, from puppies onward. Two are 14 and two are four, so that gets to be interesting. But uh, part of the reason why I ended up getting the young ones was that uh, one of my elder pugs was diagnosed with terminal cancer, was supposed to die in six months. Uh, now, I did go holistic with him, and uh, he you know, it's fine. It's been four yeah. years. I love that. But, you know, part of the reason that I did it, and it, this was just something that I've always believed, but, you know, so that while Odyssey, my elder, was still here, he could actually teach the younger ones, but I had not thought about the idea that um, that the energy imprint can kind of continue on, that they don't physically have to be here. Uh, and, of course, as Iliad and Odyssey get a little bit older, my my uh, 14-year-olds, and, and eventually will transition, hopefully no time soon, but I will, I will have to look to see what happens with Odyssey and Achilles, their their uh, little uh, mentees, shall we say? That's right, really right. really fascinating. Now, with animals, since you you communicate with both sides, both the living and the dead, and of course also humans, <laughs> hopefully anyway, um, it gets to be kind of interesting. I'm curious to know uh, about the animal perception of the afterlife. Uh, how, how do animals? Do you deal with pets uh, in your your counseling that want to contact the other side, or is it always a human that wants to contact somebody on the other side? Well, you know, the animals have transitioned. They will uh, come back and want to, uh, you know, commu- communicate through me to their owners, or I call them their human companions. So there are a lot of things going on. So when you know, when an animal passes on, they're always there for us. And so early on, like I mentioned, they'll come back and check in not only with the animals, but they'll check in with us. So you know, we'll see them more often in our dreams. We'll see a flash in the corner of our eye. When we look, there's nothing there, but that's them. Uh, we'll see a blanket that they used to like to lay on that all of a sudden feels warm and is crumpled, and we just assumed it was the, the other pet in the house when actually it was the animals that's transitioned on. So early on, they'll come back and want to make sure everything's okay. But then later on, they're always there for us. All we have to do is call upon them and ask them for help and for guidance. And sometimes they'll do that on their own. They'll let us know that there's, there's 
uh, an important thing going on in their lives, uh, there's something they need to let their human companions know that, yes, you should follow that path, or no, you shouldn't, uh, or you should wake up and start taking better care of yourself. Um, so a great example of that, you know, I, I've got the new book out, Wagging Tails, Every Animal Has a Tail. And it's a collection of 32 stories of animals that I've worked with. It also includes 24 little helpful hints, tips, and things you need to know about your pets today, things you can do to build a better relationship with them. And in one of the stories in the book, it deals with um, a situation where I went over for a consultation at a lady's house. She has four cats that are alive and one dog that's alive. And I communicated with each of the animals, talked about behavior, talked about um, um, you know, uh, alternative medications, uh, you know, holistic alternatives, different things of this sort. But this one cat, this gray tabby, kept popping into the conversation. Well, of the four cats that were there alive, there was no gray tabby. But this gray tabby kept presenting itself. I saw it as, as clear as if it was sitting right next to me. And so I asked her, uh, you know, I asked the lady, I said, I, I know you don't have a gray tabby today, but did you have a gray tabby? And she goes, well, yes, I did. And I said, is it in the backyard? Did, did you bury it in the backyard? And at this point, you know, she's getting a little flabbergasted by the whole, whole thing because she wasn't expecting that. Well, we went from, we were downstairs and we walked up to her office and there displayed on her um, office desk was a picture of the gray tabby. And in fact, he had just passed on about a year or so before. He is buried in the backyard. And more importantly, that cat has been on her mind constantly recently. She was just not cognizant to know that that cat was actually checking in with her, was actually coming around to find out what was going on. And what had happened was she was going through a major transition uh, health-wise in her life and wasn't sure what direction to go to go in. She thought she knew, but she wasn't quite sure what to do. And now all of a sudden, this cat in particular was coming back to tell her that, yes, follow that path. You know, get yourself cleared up, get yourself feeling good again. And so once we had that conversation, um, she did that. She took that, that action, and she's doing much better now. Well, now, that is really pretty neat. I, I've always wondered about the human-animal connection because I know, uh, you know, I, uh, since I do teach, you know, I tell my students, I teach religion, so it works out really nicely for me, but I do talk about the difference between the East and the West, you know, the Eastern conception of the soul and how the perceptions are very different, um, you know, between, between cultures in general, and that the West is now kind of starting to uh, trans transform itself into a more empathetic society with animals. And, um, you know, I, I have personally always found that it's, and this sounds terrible, and I, I apologize for this, but I've always found it very hard when animals go. I accept human loss easier than I do pet loss, and maybe that's part of it, is that the, the animals do connect with us, and maybe they have more of an empathic bond than most people do uh, with other people. I think that's kind of an interesting twist. Uh, and it's nice to know they keep checking in. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, they they come into our lives for a purpose, and they're here for the length of time that they typically they're here for the length of time that they need to be here to to satisfy that purpose. Uh, if for some reason their bodies are not supporting their purpose, then they will transition out of that body, and then of course then they can come back into to um, to body, and uh, you know continue to fulfill their purpose. So there are a lot of things, and I and I try to you know, make this as simple as possible to so people that aren't familiar with this or aren't real comfortable with it, because it is a new philosophy, philosophy, as you said, in Western culture in particular. We're slowly migrating, we're slowly turning that corner where we're opening ourselves up to the, the possibilities that there's a lot more out there than what we've ever imagined. But, you know, I try to explain it in the fact that 
you know, we're, we're all energy. Every living thing's energy. We come into whatever body that we choose to try to fulfill whatever our mission and purpose is. And then when we're done with that mission and purpose, we move on. The only difference between humans and animals is the fact that, you know, animals just like humans have a past, a present, and, and a future. Animals understand their past, but they don't live in that past. They, they learn their lessons and, and move on to whatever they're supposed to be doing now, their purpose for living. So they live in the moment, and then they transition on. Uh, as humans, unfortunately, we were born in the same fashion, but we have our past and we tend to hang on to it. And oftentimes we hold it, we say we want to get rid of it, but oftentimes we hold it up like a golden egg. You know, we love to talk about our past, especially about our exes and relationships and those type of things. So we hold on to that, and that prevents us in a lot of occasions to finding what our real purpose is, what our real mission is for being here and getting stuck in that past. And that's why you see, yeah, tons of people and millions of dollars being spent on how do I find my real purpose in life. Well, guess what? It, it was there all along. Just get rid of your past and focus on what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and actually that that is quite fascinating because, again, that fits very nicely with Eastern ideology uh, in which uh, humankind and nature are not separate things, which we do find in the West. Um, but the idea is that, uh, you know, we should reflect nature and nature lives in the present. Uh, humans can be a little more austere particularly in Chinese and, and uh, Eastern philosophy in such sense that we have more control in, in certain respects, like if I have a 10-pound bag of chocolate, theoretically I won't eat all of it at once, but if I put a, a dish of cat food in front of my pugs, which they're not supposed to have, uh, I don't know that they would sit down and say, oh, that might go to my hips. But, but they still um, they live in the moment, they react to the moment, and uh, that's actually a very Tao philosophy. Both Tao and Zen uh, really focus on that, and I've... Uh, you know, I've tried to explain to students that uh, I have studied my pets because I admire their ability to live in the moment. We always live, as you say, in the past or in today's world, we're always in the future. Um, okay, I've got to do this now, and then after this, I've got this and this and this, and then next week, you know, and, and I keep trying to remind students the past is gone. You study it, you move on, but the future we have no guarantee on. We plan for it, but we must not dwell in it. Um, and, you know, I, I remind them, look at your pets. You know, when was the last time you saw your your dog pull out a day planner and say, I'm so sorry, I can't take a walk with you right now. I have to do this, you know. Absolutely, yeah. So so the philosophy is eat the whole box of chocolate. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be. It could be. Although, just remember, humans have that uh, in, in Hinduism. It's, uh, it's called uh, chit, C-H-I-T. It's the, the little blinking light of consciousness and reason, which, uh, interestingly, animals have souls, and they have the ability to be happy, but they don't have the same sense of reason, according to the to Hindu philosophy. But uh, hopefully I will remember the 10-pound <laughs> bag of chocolate one piece at a time and burn off the calories first. <laughs> but it, it's really a very interesting thing. Well, what we're going to do for just a moment is pause for commercials, and when we get back, um, I'd like to pick up with uh, the animal perception of the afterlife of ghosts and angels and, and if they distinguish as humans do between them. So uh, we'll pick up with that topic in just a moment. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. What do you think of this? A man is dead. 
Davis, California, says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. <gasps> on your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Got questions about your hound's health? Need the facts on Fido's fitness or food? You want to unleash your pup's potential? Well, you've come to the right place with Win With Dogs. Here, we learn how easy it is to naturally improve the lives of our furry friends. So sit, stay, and get ready to win with dogs. With me, Raquel Wynn. Exercise, nutrition, interaction, and love make for one healthy, happy hound. Give yourself the gift of knowledge on demand every week right here at Pet Life Radio with me, Raquel Wynn, and Win with Dogs. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. And welcome back. Uh, we are speaking with uh, Tim Link, and he's just absolutely fascinating in, in the perception of animals and the perceptions of animals in the afterlife, uh, what animals want for us and what we want for them. So since we were talking about animals dealing with the afterlife, I, I'm very curious to know because, of course, uh, I do paranormal investigation as well, and I, I actually do ask about uh, animals in the vicinity and, and how they perceive entities. And the interesting thing, particularly doing this show, is I have heard from different people that animals will act differently uh, to ghosts. 
usually they get agitated, but you know, then you have the other extreme reaction where they actually act as if they're being petted or they're very affectionate towards something that nobody else can see. So I'm kind of curious, through your experience uh, in, in dealing with animals and communicating with them, um, what have you picked up about the animal perception of ghosts? Well, you know, animals are, are obviously very receptive. They're, they're great guides for us, and we, we do need to tune into them more because they will connect with energy a lot quicker than we will because uh, they don't put up those blocks, they don't put up those shields, and they don't um, doubt, you know, put that doubt in there that, oh, it can't be what I'm, what I'm seeing, you know, it can't possibly be a ghost. They accept it what it is. Now, my perception from talking to the animals is, you know, it's more on uh, a universal energy level. So whether that energy is within a body, such as an animal's body or a human body, or whether it's out of body and it's, it's in the universe and surrounding us, when we're talking about ghosts and we're talking about angels, those type of things, a, a ghost is simply energy just like an angel is energy. The only difference is what are they trying to accomplish? You know, is the ghost, as we, we envision, a lot of times we envision ghosts as negative, you know, evil type of, type of characters when that's not always the case. I agree. But, yeah. But if, we, but if we sort of look at it as, okay, ghosts equals uh, bad things and angels equals good things, well, the animals are able to detect not only is that presence there, but what is that presence doing there? What is its purpose for being there? Is it to cause you know disruption or, or chaos or whatever it may be, or is it there to support and guide? And from an animal's perspective, they're always here to support and guide. They're always here to be, whether they're in body or out of body, they're here to teach us, to help us through situations, to open us up to uh, a broader perspective of what uh, energy and life is all about. They're here as a heart connection. So they're here for a, a lot of different reasons, and whatever their purpose is is what they focus on uh, during that time that they're in body. But when they're out of body, they're here to be able to uh, support us in any fashion possible. So that's why I always tell people, you know, let, you know, if you've had an animal passed on, just ask for them to come back, and they'll give you guidance. They'll give you the answers that you need. Um, but when they're in here in, in form, they will identify those energies. They will see uh, things, you know, like the dog going to the wall in the corner and start barking for no apparent reason. And everybody thinks, well, man, what's going on with my dog? You know, something must really upset him, or maybe he's hearing something behind the wall. Maybe it's a mouse behind there. Well, in reality, it's some sort of energy presence, whether it's ghost energy presence or an angel, however you want to label it. Um, but they see what that presence is. They, they know what that energy's there for, and they're trying to identify uh, with that energy to either let us know about it or, more importantly, converse with it to determine how they can help that energy with whatever its purpose is for being here. Now, do you think it matters what species of animal is involved? I mean, um, again, I have pet rats. I, I actually have a paranormal rat page, paranormal pocket pet page, because my theory is that uh, small animals as larger animals will, will be able to sense these energies. But um, do you think the perception differs from species to species? Uh, are dogs more in tune than, say, rats would be, or would horses be more in tune than cats? I mean, how would that work? No, I, I think all species are in tune with everything. So I really don't, I don't uh, believe it's a matter of breed or type of species. I believe each individual animal is just like each individual person. We all have our own personality. We all have our own intuitive capabilities or what we're able or, able or willing to let, our, uh, how we let our intuitive abilities come out. So just like you and I, um, you know, we're different personalities, but yet... We're obviously on this radio show together, and we have a connection, and we have a belief that there's more than, than what meets the eye that's out there. 
where some people would not ever come on this show because they haven't opened themselves up to it. Uh, cool thing about our animals is they're always open to it. They understand that there's a big universe out there. They understand energy. Some are going to be a little bit more receptive than others based on the personality of that particular animal. But breed-wise or, or type of animal really uh, really doesn't matter because we've seen, uh, you know, with my book, Wagging Tails, Every Animal Has a Tail, it deals mostly with dogs and cats that are at local rescue organizations uh, that I volunteer at and at foster homes of uh, groups I work with. But there's also a wonderful story in there about Pepe the Praying Mantis and a conversation I had with him. And so we're talking about Pepe telling me things and discussing, you know, communicating with me in the same fashion as a dog or as a cat does. And, and you said this is a praying mantis? Praying mantis. Like an insect? Like an insect, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Exactly. Because it's all, once again, it's all energy. And praying mantis communicate with each other in a telepathic or an intuitive fashion. Uh, so there's no reason we can't get down to that, or up to that level, I should say, and talk with them in that same fashion. And that's what I try to do every day. Now that is, that's actually quite unique. That's the first time I've heard about an insect uh, communicating or uh, I've heard about rats and small animals, hamsters, etc. But uh, I've always kind of wondered personally about uh, what what we would categorize as perhaps lesser beings, quote unquote. Uh, and even in Jainism, we have this where you have the the one sense beings, two, three, four. You know, and humans have the six senses with reason. But uh, you know, do worms communicate? Mosquitoes? You know, uh, it's that's actually really really neat. I have heard of turtle sensing ghosts. Uh, but that's the first praying mantis. Right. Well, you know, once again, I go back to that, that analogy of, you know, energy, just universal energy. And we'll take bees. Bees, for instance. Bees are very intuitive. Bees know what to do. They communicate with each other on a telepathic basis. You know, building a hive, collecting pollen and protecting the mother and the queen bee, that doesn't happen by chance. You know, it's just like, oh, hey, I found a hive. I think I'll go in here. No, they communicate. They know what they're doing. They know what their purpose is and their mission. So when they're communicating with each other to determine what they need to do to complete their mission, then there's, it's just like you and I complete talking to each other to figure out what we need to do to complete a a particular project or mission. And so when we start talking about in ghosts or in angels, you know, when when the energy has left that body, well, that energy is still out there. They are, but they, they understand it. They know how to communicate with it. They accept it as just being energy, whether it's out of body or in body. As humans, we have a little bit hard time understanding that hey, that, that energy is out there, and we need to, to uh, step up to that level to be able to communicate with it. Excellent. Uh, now, since you do work with animals, uh, do you have advice for owners concerning uh, animals dealing with deceased animal companions? I mean, we do know that they grieve. Um, you know, so, so what is your advice? Uh, we're talking about animals coming back to see their companions, human and animal. Um, you know, with this information, what do we do for animals when they're... they're they have experienced loss. Well, I think the thing that we need to do is recognize that they do. Um, they do have the same feelings we have. They do have go through the grieving process. They do want to understand what had happened and then what do they need to do about it now and why is it all going to be okay. Uh, I don't think uh, everybody understands that. Uh, you know, I get asked that quite a bit whenever an animal is going through that transition process or they contact me after an animal has passed on saying, you know, the animal is left behind. He seems sad. He's not eating as much. He's, you know, what, what's happening is he's something physically wrong with him. And I have to make him realize that, you know, hey, it's, they go through the same process we do. They grieve. They have sadness. 
They also collect our energy. You know, animals are a great job of uh, deflecting the negative energy that we put out. But after a while, they start to absorb that. So when we're sad and we're upset and we're trying to deal with that whole process of an animal passing, then they're picking up on that as well. And so they, they're, you know, they're struggling with it as well, and they feel the energy of the people that they love and count on, and that energy is not high, the energy is low, and that starts to impact them as well. So we have to first recognize that, that they do go through the same things we do. But the, the key thing about our animals is, you know, once we've explained to them what that situation is, what happened, what they need to do about it, and why is it going to be okay, then the animals will collect themselves and move on a lot quicker than we do. Um, so I, you know, I'm a huge proponent of talking to your animals just like you would anybody else in the household. You're talking to them verbally because they understand what you're saying. More importantly, that visualization will come out that's where you do it subconsciously or consciously. That imagery will come out, and they're very visual creatures, so they'll see what you're seeing, and they'll pick up on what you're trying to put out there. And then more importantly, once you've talked it through, you feel better about it. You know, it's like get it off your chest. Once you've talked it through, let's talk it through, you feel better about it. And you do. And your energy goes up at that point, and your animal responds. So, you know, it's a, it's a matter of simply sitting down with the dog, dog or cat or whatever animal has been left behind and explain to them that, you know, their, their pal has, has moved on to another purpose, another energy. I need you to be strong and help me get through this and, you know, pick up where they left off off because it's all going to be good because we'll remember all the great things that the, that uh, the animal has passed on is left to us and it's, it's everybody will be happy again. Now, does that work also with humans? Well, it does, but we, as humans, we have a hard time letting go. You know, it goes back to that past thing again. We have a hard time letting go of the past and so we beat ourselves up a lot over what we did or didn't do when in reality our pets want, to, want us to understand that it's part of the process and understand that they're always there for us when we need them, and to honor them and respect them for the love and and, uh, and the relationship they, they gave us. Now, what about, uh, because I also deal with um, rescue and foster animals, and sometimes we do get those that their humans have died, uh, and that's why they're in foster. The families don't want them anymore, or whatever it is. Um, what do you recommend for for us trying to communicate with them about their their human companion who died? I don't. Are, I guess I'm asking: Are animals more bonded to each other or to humans, or is it kind of equally the same? And does the same process work for the death or the loss of a human companion? Well, the, the bond is absolutely the same, whether it's with a human or with a, a animal. Uh, so they do form those relationships and bonds within the family unit. So they become part of the family, and they will deal with grief the same way, whether it's an animal that's passed on or whether it's a human that's passed on. The only difference is the fact that they are going to be a little bit more in tune with an animal that's passed on because they understand that energy is energy. When you leave the body, it's going to go back up into, to, uh, you know, uh, into the universal energy, and it can still communicate with you, can still come back and visit with you. So they're more in tune with that, and they're receptive of that uh, compared to humans who tend to you know, fight it a little bit more. Um, but it's still universal, and they'll still deal with the, the grief the same exact way. Um, the, the key thing behind it, though, is that the um, animals that have transitioned, you know, they will... They will not only check in, but they, they want you to be open to it. They want you to be able to receive it. And as humans, a lot of times we have, we have doubts. You know, we have questions. We, we doubt what the whole process is about. And the key thing that we need to do to get through that process is 
um, accept it just like the animals do. Understand what it is, what the situation was, what we need to do about it, and why is it going to be okay? Why is it going to be a good thing for us? That is really, that's excellent advice, I think, for, for anybody uh, going through the process. Um, and again, I find it very interesting uh, that we now have animal death support groups. Um, you know, we are coming to that point in the West where, uh, you know, something like this would be absolutely pivotal for people to understand. Because uh, I know uh, when I was looking at Odyssey and his passing or his potential passing on, um, you know, I I know that I had friends and family who were, because I'm very attached to him, but, uh, you know, I had friends and family who were saying, well, there, there's a support group for you, you know, when he goes. You know, and I thought that was really, really interesting, um, you know, that we, we are starting to, to take this much more seriously. And, you know, I just, I find it quite fascinating, and I'm very curious to see where the animal industry is, is going to go in the future, if this will uh, continue, if this trend will continue in the West. Uh, you know, my hope is that it eventually expands out to all animals. Um, you know, I think if if we ever get to the Star Trek universe where we can uh, manufacture protein, and we're getting closer apparently, uh, you know, how interesting would that be? And, and would our perceptions change? Because, again, we have these connections to pets, but what about uh, the food source? And that's where things get very different, cattle, chickens, uh, you know, and according to what you're saying, they all feel uh, just about the same thing. Well, they do feel exactly the same thing that, that we do, and that's a whole other topic about, okay, well, you know, if they do have feelings and they do have uh, a consciousness, then how is we as humans, how can we eat meat and cattle, you know, and all this stuff? And, you know, we could probably do another show on that one because I've, I've got some answers for you on that as well because, once again, it comes back to what is the purpose? There is a purpose for every living creature, whether it's human or, or, or animal or plant. You know, every living thing out there has a purpose. Now, a lot of times that purpose is not uh, when they're here on, in Earth and in body, then, you know, sometimes we think they live a cruel life. They, they live a tough life. But, you know, is that the fact that, that they're, they're treated poorly and we shouldn't eat the, eat the food, et cetera, eat them as food, or et cetera? Or is it the fact that they have that purpose? Maybe there is a teaching purpose. Maybe there's a reason they chose that path, as cruel as it may seem. And, uh, you know, briefly, my philosophy is that, that everybody has chosen their path here. We need to honor and fulfill it, whatever it may be, whether we view it as, as being cruel and inhumane or whether we view it as the fact that it's taught us a lot. Well, that's, that is a really unique philosophy. Um, that is pretty interesting. Uh, the purpose of, and being actually extending out to the food source, that almost uh, fits really the primal tribal or the indigenous ideology that um, humans have made a deal with animals. Uh, you know, we honor the animals for their death. Uh, but in return, they have agreed to die. So uh, that could actually be another show. You never know. I think that'd be a fascinating Absolutely. topic. You, know, you take a look at Native American culture and some of the other uh, Aborigine cultures, et cetera, and you know, they realize that. They honor that, and uh, they, they understand what the purpose was for that animal, and they do, do honor it before, uh, before they uh, consume the food. So, yeah, I'd love to be able to talk about that one with you. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, how can people learn more about you? Where can they get Wagging Tails? Where uh, can they contact you if they have other questions to ask? Absolutely. Um, so the, the book, Wagging Tails, Every Animal Has a Tail, is available nationwide at your favorite retail uh, bookstore. It's available on all the online Internet stores. 
or if you want a personalized copy, um, you can go to my website and purchase one. And the website is wagging-tails.com. That's W-A-G-G-I-N-G-T-A-L-E-S.com. And you can uh, purchase a book through there. You can also, while you're at the website, you can find out more about me, Tim Link, what I do. Um, There's private consultations that I do, and and these are done either in person or over the phone. 95% of them are done on the phone. So anybody across the world, we can have a consultation to help you build a better relationship and a better understanding of your your animals. And then there's also a wonderful free e-newsletter that we put out the first of every month. And not only does that newsletter keep you abreast on what I'm doing and where I'm appearing and more about the book, but more importantly, it has helpful hints, little tips, similar to the ones we put in the book. We add new ones every single month, things that you can relate to. And uh, this month that came out September 1st, which will be archived on the website, but you can go in and sign up for it as well, it deals with how do you introduce a new pet into the net, into the household. So it's, uh, it's really good information, so sign up for the free newsletter. Absolutely. Well, that is absolutely fascinating, and I will actually be checking out your site as soon as we're done with the, uh, the interview. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on, and I do want to remind uh, our listeners to uh, please support your rescue organizations. I will always plug Pug Rescue of Florida. At Current, uh, they have over 60 pugs in foster right now in the state of Florida, and we're still getting calls. So we definitely need good foster homes. We need people who are loving and can adopt a pug. Uh, They are wonderful pets. I can't say enough about them. Uh, So please uh, look into your local rescues. Uh, If you have other questions on the paranormal or supernatural, you're more than welcome to see the Spirits of St. Petersburg website at www.spiritsofstpetersburg.com. And uh, Tim Link, I just want to thank you so much. That was a wonderful interview, and I hope that we can have you on again. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. And, yeah, we'd love to be able to come back on, and let's talk about all kinds of other wonderful things our pets can teach us. Well, thank you. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.